This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Converse brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast at thepodiumgame.com. I am Jason Mann, and with me as always is Rich Krejci. Rich, great to be with you. Yeah, so Merry Christmas to you. This is a uh, an episode we, uh, we've we been planning for a little while, and I'm really excited to do it. It's, it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, um, so we're going to talk about uh, some Christmas games that the NBA has uh, put out for us over the years. Uh, Christmas Day has sort of become an, an NBA tradition. In fact, they... It dates back to 1947. They actually played games in the back in the BAA, the um, the first um, the, the league that preceded the NBA. Uh, that was the first game played for the um, for the league, and uh, the New York Knicks beat the Providence Steamrollers. <laughs> Would you say they steamrolled the steamrollers? Uh, it was 89.75. I don't know. It, that, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's pretty good. That's a decent margin. I don't know if steamrolling is quite there, but. Yeah, no, I would, it's got to be at least, I think, 20. Yeah, I think that's it's fair. To be a full-out steam I, I, correct? I, I don't know. I would agree with Maybe that. Maybe someone can let us know. Yeah. But. <laughs> so, oh, God. Oh, I'm looking through these names. Uh, 1949, the Denver Nuggets defeated the Sheboygan Redskins. Oh, so there you yeah, go. Sheboygan Redskins. Yeah, go Sheboygan. Um, yeah, early NBA is weird. Yeah, there's a lot of just weird. Like, there's just cities that don't make sense to have. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you always see these, and you're like, Fort Wayne. Like, Fort Wayne sucks. Like, yeah. no offense to people that live in Fort Wayne, but you're just like, really, Fort Wayne? And like, yeah. you know, just random cities that just like have teams. You're just like, I don't know why they. Well, have a team. I mean, like, it was kind of like it was like, why does Rochester have a it team? It was mostly <laughs> like a small town attraction, and it was yeah. mostly like Indiana and mm-hmm. New York Northeast, and you know, there's kind of a couple of regions where basketball was hot enough that they could kind of support the teams, and then sort of the you know, the league grew a little bit in the mid fifties and kind of froze the smaller markets out and, you know, they moved to bigger cities and, you know, yep. they kind of evolved from there, but yeah, it's, it's weird, you know, uh, just how many teams really fell by the wayside, um, during that. But yeah, so basically, um, every year, apparently, um, from 67 to, uh, 
to now, except for 82 and the 98 lockout, there has been a Christmas game on national TV um, since then. And, and, and I believe every year there, there have been games at least on Christmas. Um, so, and I've watched every single one. <laughs> even we did. We watched every single game <laughs> prior to my birth. Prepare I, for this. Yeah. So <laughs> right. we, yeah, before this, yeah, we, we, we've, that's why I said it's been months prepping. We, we have watched we, at the NBA after our last podcast, we mentioned we wanted the NBA to send us every game they ever have. They obliged. Yeah. And so we've been doing it really nice the past week. Yeah. We, <laughs> past week. I have done nothing. I look like Howard Hughes. I have a giant beard and, and big nails because I've just been watching uh, every Christmas game. And I, let me tell you, I'm ready to talk about some. So I, I'm, I'm pretty excited. That you, you put in more effort than I have um, to do this, but, and um, the first game we're going to talk about is the Atlanta Hawks versus the Phoenix Suns in Christmas of 1970. Um, this was apparently the first of six nationally televised Christmas games that were in Phoenix. Um, or or I, the, the first six. The, the, the first, yeah. The, the, it, the first six. Yeah, were, this yeah. was in the, the midst of that. Um, and um, uh, this is according to Robert Bradley, who's a basketball historian at the APBR uh, Forum. Um, apparently they kind of were doing like a tradition there, which is, it seems sort of like, um, I mean, it's kind of cool, like sort of like the whole, you know, Dallas and Detroit thing on Thanksgiving. I'm trying to start that in Phoenix. Phoenix seems like an odd thing. Like I, the thing that occurred to me is maybe they were trying to, um, like time it with like the Fiesta Bowl. Like maybe like, hmm, like yeah, that's maybe if ABC was showing the Fiesta Bowl on national TV, which I'm not sure if that that would have been a big enough thing where it would have happened. But that just is sort of like you know that's in the Phoenix area, obviously as well. Uh, yeah, it, that's... it started in '71, so that actually I think is after this tradition starts. Maybe it isn't connected to that, but um, you know. I don't know. Just uh, yeah, yeah they. Um, I, I couldn't. F- I looked into why they may have tried to do it in Phoenix, and I couldn't find anything. So just, yeah, sixty-eight and sixty-nine. It looks like was the first. Yeah, the first Fiesta Bowl was seventy-one. So or, oh, okay. The first, Yeah, you're right. Okay, the inaugural game was nineteen seventy-one. Yeah, so that's weird. Okay, so it wasn't that. I wonder what's what's oh, what's. What's Phoenix, Phoenix? Or what's Christmassy about Phoenix? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, I mean it's it's nice. I mean, it's a nice place to spend Christmas. I'm sure it's warm. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yes. I, I would like to. You know, I'll, I'll go to Phoenix for Christmas. But if someone <laughs> invites me, so if there's a if there's a Phoenix resident, what, what's a Phoenix resident like a, a Phoenixian or Phoenician? Yeah. Uh, oh, a Phoenician. A Phoenician? <laughs> well, like yeah, I believe Phoenician might be right. Right. Anyway, if you it's like Parisian when you when Paris like you you have to kind of right yeah no it'd probably be that yeah, yeah I don't know I, I will ask a I, I know a few people from Phoenix okay a I will ask them if you can come over to their house for Christmas and then B I will ask what what I should call them so all right it's good so ex- I'll tell them to get the guest bedroom ready because you're coming, I, so. I'm, I'll be there yeah um so um so yeah so this is build is kind of a big matchup between Pete Maravich and Connie Hawkins. Uh, this is Maravich's rookie season, and uh, Hawkins has been in the NBA for two years. He had four pro years total, um, and there's kind of a whole big thing with Connie Hawkins is that he was um, blackballed for professional basketball for about a half a decade after some gambling allegations that were um, that were not um, that were pretty, you know. Um, Unsubstantiated. That was what I was mm-hmm. looking for. So, uh, but anyway, eventually he made it to the ABA for a couple years, then then came over to Phoenix. Uh, the Suns are twenty-one and eighteen. I, I guess after the result of this game, and the Hawks are twelve and twenty-four. So the Hawks are struggling despite having um, Maravich. Um, who's sort of a, you know, a, was a sensational college player, expected to transfer well to the NBA. Also, Lou Hudson, um, who was a, um, 
It was a six-time six All-Star for the Hawks, was right in his prime. And then Walt Bellamy, who was one of the, um, you know, below, you know, Chamberlain and Russell and Kareem was right, sort of the next-tier big men. Um, he was 30 or 31 at that point, so getting older but still, you know, effective anyway. Uh, yeah. um, and the, um, the Suns weren't quite as star laden, but they did have, um, they had Dick Van Arsdale. Um, they had, uh, Neil Walk, who was, uh, number two, uh, drafted behind Kareem in the, uh, you know, he, the, the Suns lost the coin, coin flip, so they got Neil, yeah, Neil Walk they, instead of Kareem. So, <laughs> which is a nice, a nice consolation prize, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly <laughs> don't know a whole lot about Neil Walk, but let's see what Neil yeah, Walk's career uh, win shares was. Let's see how it compares to, uh, old Kareem Abdul Jabbar here. Yeah. Um, he had 30.3. Uh, 30, 30.3. Yeah, that's not terrible. I mean, that's, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's not as good as there's worse ways to do. Yeah, what he had five years in Phoenix, five or six years. That's not bad. Yeah, that's okay. Um, we've seen worse uh, overall doing this podcast. We've seen a lot worse top three overall picks. So, than Neil Walk, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, go Neil Walk. Um, Paul Silas shows up too. He's in pretty much every one of our podcasts somewhere. Yeah, Paul like, Silas, yeah, he didn't, he's everywhere. He didn't really do, you know, the, the footage that we see of the game is like about 30 minutes or so. Apparently, there's a full version available somewhere shown on TV or whatever, but it wasn't on YouTube. Um, and uh, it's mostly highlights from Maravich, um, a few from. Um, uh, free from Connie Hawkins as well, though Hawkins doesn't really do anything in the first half because he um, has he picks up three fouls like in the first two minutes of the game. Yeah, it's, which it's, the Phoenix crowd is really pissed about the fouls. It, 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 I don't know how recently you watched it, but I watched it uh, earlier today, and it's funny. Every every like so Hawkins picks up his I think third in the first quarter or something like that, yeah. and then like someone else gets fouled, and the Phoenix fans are just <laughs> like crazy. They're like, come on, like like they're a restless crowd here. They're really pissed off about these foul calls. They were not happy. Yeah, and um, Cotton Fitzsimmons is the uh, he's. He's the Phoenix coach, but he would actually become the Hawks coach in a couple seasons after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the Hawks uh, had been coached by Richie Guerin, who was a, a star for them and also for the Knicks from the 50s into the 60s. And this is the third year for the Hawks in Atlanta. So um, Keith Jackson, the famous college football announcer, is on commentary with uh, Jack Twyman, who was a, a star for Cincinnati in the uh, in the 60s, along with Oscar Robertson and uh, Jerry Lucas. Um I, you know, honestly, I, I don't know the kind of the impressions that I had. The guy who really stood out for me was Lou Hudson. Yeah, and he was a guy I was going to say that that when you were seeing the clips, a lot of the the, the highlights were you know Barovich, as you said, and 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 Hawkins, but a lot of them, I mean, as a result of of Hudson sort of taking it. Yeah, Lou Hudson was a huge part of this game, and obviously, good reason, you know, with thirty three points. But yeah, I was very impressed by watching him play. He he's one of the few guys when I watch older games, I try to look at guys and 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 sort of unfairly or or, or you know fairly, I try to look and see. You know who could who could hang today, or who if we if we plop them into today's NBA would still do pretty well, even given their skills. Obviously, there's so many. I mean, it's a terrible argument that people make about like you know, well, if they got you know this sort of training here and this, you know, I I don't like making it. It's it's kind of ridiculous. But but he's a guy one way or another that I thought was really good and really stood out to me. Like you see some guys and like big men of years past that kind of awkward or whatever. He, I mean, he seemed like a guy you could put in here right now and he'd be probably okay. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the kind of the comparisons that were made, there's another, um, APBR, uh, for, I'm talking, you know, with some notes on the uh, whole game, uh, by Gabe, Gabe Farkas. And, uh, he kind of compared him to Paul Pierce or Jamal Mashburn. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I see a lot of Pierce in him, the, the head fakes, some little kind of one step, you know, the, those fadeaways that Pierce is, is want to do the ones where he does 
doesn't really leave the ground. He just kind of like moves his body back a little bit or he has, you know, very, uh, a real good footwork is the one thing I noticed yes. with Hudson. I mean, obviously we're seeing these little highlights here, but yeah, as far as I could tell, I mean, he was able to get himself open. He was able to give himself some space. It was, it was very interesting to see how he did yeah, it. Yeah, Twyman compared to McCliff Hagen, who was a big, who was a, uh, a, a hawk star when they were in St. Louis. Um, I also kind of thought, um, oh, um, a little bit like a Jamal Wilkes as well. It just like mm-hmm. I, I noticed, like the smoothness stood out to me too. You know, um, even like a little bit smoother than Pierce. And Pierce has a great footwork, but just his motion isn't quite as mm-hmm. smooth as Hudson's was. Like it, he just sort of like it's almost like he kind of floated and, and glided. You know, at certain points, you know, he just really. Um, yeah. And, and it especially stands out when you watch kind of 70s basketball because a lot of it can be sort of awkward and, and the way the guys move. I mean, now with our eyes, we, 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 we notice such a fluid – like you watch the Spurs and then you watch this and you're like, what is going on? Like what are they doing? Like where are you standing? Why are you doing that? But now like when you watch it in that context, it, it, it's a little bit different. But he stands out you know, head and shoulders above the other guys in terms of – yeah, I think like you're saying, the fluidity um, – I mean, Maravich does to an extent as well, but Hudson definitely stood out. Yeah, Maravich was scrawnier than I like thought. It, it was a little, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, he's a rookie, so you know he might grow. In, you know, he, he not, not that he was like ever like a burly guy, but I remember one thing that kind of stood out. There, there's a I, I think I've mentioned before, but like an excerpt of um, Julius Irving um, of his book when he. Um, went to training camp with the Hawks. He was trying to play in the NBA for the Hawks. And then there were lawsuits and he had to go back to the ABA. Um, but he, um, you know, he talked about like how like strong Maravich was and how he didn't really expect that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, just kind of Maravich just did seem like a little bit like, <laughs> like a little bit of a scrawny guy. I mean, he's obviously quick. He's obviously skilled in passing. Uh, he's definitely an unrepentant gunner as well. Oh God! Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and there, there's one funny moment. I don't know if you caught it. He he, he gets fouled and he goes for a free throw, and the ref uh, tosses him the ball. But Maravich doesn't look up, and it just hits him in the head. Oh, I missed that. But then it hits him in the head, and then it, he just it just lands in his hands, and he just kind of dribbles like nothing, <laughs> like like just played it com- as cool as Pete Maravich could possibly play, getting hit in the you know the head with a ball. Nice. But yeah, it's 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 pretty fun. Like like it's not really. I mean, they don't make a big deal out of it. It just kind of hits him in the side of the head. But I just thought that was kind of funny, and he just didn't care. Just did his dribbles and and shot the ball. One thing I always love about older games too: the, the nets are so tiny mm-hmm. like compared to now like they have like they're like the nets when you go to like a terrible park or whatever like a, you go to an elementary school and they're not like they're very tight i don't know I, I don't know how to describe it but if you watch this you'll see what i'm saying they're just very small nets and small backboards and it's just funny to watch yeah it's just the aesthetics are so different and, and if i was it's so dark too yeah and the footage we watched was pretty grainy so you know it's kind of hard to make some mm-hmm. things out real clearly but um yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of – Maravich is a guy I want to um, look at more thoroughly because I just have the feeling that, like, Maravich is – he's obviously, like, on the top 50 list of all time, and he's he's a legend in one respect. But, like, I don't think – I get the feeling, like, that he wasn't, like, really, like, a winning basketball player to a certain extent. Right. Like, it just, like what, he, what he did on the court, like, wasn't – that helpful toward toward winning. And, and part of it is just sort of like how guys played at the time, you know, and um, so there's some of that, but I get the feeling that like, may, if you sort of examined him like in more detail, you'd probably like run into, um, you know, some, uh, some problems, I guess, with. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. I think that that's, that's long sort of been, or not long been, but, but recently as of late, as people have sort of studied stuff, and I know um, in, in pretty decent detail, I think the the, the Free Darko uh, history book talks a little bit about that aspect that, you know, he might have been a guy that was more of just kind of, we, we, we remember him now, and people remember him now for the highlight plays, but less so of like the 
defensive stops or, you know, great moments or great game, you know, great individualized games, more of, oh, he was, you know, maybe more generalizations of like, oh, you know, he was able to do this on the court and he was able to do that on the court, but less so of like specifics of, okay, you know, what, what was a great game or when was a great year? You know, it, it's kind of hard. And he's a very weird character. To, yeah. I, I would like to study him a little. We'll have to, I'm sure at some point we're going to do an episode about him. Yeah. I, I, yeah. He'd be very interested to do I, that and just see how, I'd like to see how that at the time, how he was sort of perceived, because I can imagine that being just a total culture shock. I mean, we see articles now where guys, you know, in the 90s or the 80s are even still like, you know, they don't win or they're too flashy or whatever. I can't imagine, you know, in the 70s what people were saying about Pete Maravich. I, th- there's definitely some of that. Some of the flashiness and some of the, like, he doesn't play defense, which is even mentioned mm-hmm. during the um, the broadcast. And, um, yeah. you know, so, so some of those faults were sort of were sort of seen at the time. But I think he was still considered a great offensive player. And really, like, I mean, he was a great offensive player because he took a lot of shots. I mean, he, he he scored a lot of points because he took a lot of shots, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, not that he was bad. I mean, you know, he, he obviously did, I mean, um, he helped his team. But, like, I think in the pros, he made the playoffs three times, all in his first three seasons. And they it was with a losing record twice. So, um, so it's kind of it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, how good, you know, what was, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to like put like obviously like making the playoffs and winning titles is not like the only thing. I mean, you, you can only do so much with obviously who you have on your team, although, you know, there's a decent roster here. Um, but I but I do think like if you're a truly great player, you you get you have to get your team to like at least a certain point, at least like some playoff success, I think, is almost like necessary. Yeah, and that's, unless you're dragging just like terrible teams, you know. Yeah. There. And that's that's that, that's been my argument we'll, we'll actually get to a guy later that we're going to talk about that i've sort of always had that argument with my friends or with other people about and and, and you can make sort of a, you know th- there's arguments both ways about the possible terrible team thing but like tracy mcgrady is always a guy that i would use that argument with or, or at least had is that you know what look i understand his teams weren't great i understand that you know he had you know extenuating circumstances or whatever but great players can at, at least get you know, a few rounds in the playoffs, at least have prolonged playoff success. And I don't know if Tracy McGrady ever had that in any way. And, and, and Pete Maravich never really necessarily had that either, but we'll get to that when we talk about Tracy McGrady, but, and and I don't know if this is the correct forum to have a a huge discussion about that, but no, it's definitely pretty interesting. Um, I'm kind of, he's now that they have, you know, value over replacement player added to basketball reference. uh, Pete Maravich is only 11, his value over replacement player. I don't know how good that is. I'm trying to look at how that compares to uh, other Hall of Famers because that'd be very curious. So let you do a Hall of Fame yeah. search on. Oh, there it is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's see how he compares to other Hall of Famers. Real quick. Yeah, I know. I, it's I, exciting. I, rating. I, Thrilling. I, rating. I, know I know he was like the lo- or lowest or near the lowest in win shares. Forty eight of the guys who were in the top. Well, just 50. let you know, Michael Jordan had a, a value over replacement player of eleven in one of his years. Because unfortunately, I did single seasons as opposed to combined seasons. So, oh yeah, there you go. So unfortunately, Jordan yeah. in one year was a eleven uh, value over replacement. Yeah. Well, they didn't. They um, probably didn't track value over replacement until seventy. They don't. They don't have numbers of it until seventy four, which is the first year they uh, track okay. turnover. So so that. Yeah, that does not include his first three seasons, but uh, okay, okay. So that, that that would change a little bit of the yeah. the equation there a little bit, and obviously but he didn't have as long. Assume 10 it's years. twenty or something along those lines, if you know. Uh, there are forty six guys with higher uh, value over, over replacement in the Hall of Fame. So oh, oh, that's that's not awful. That, though, no, actually. that's actually not awful. No, so yeah, I thought that was gonna be a lot worse. That's not maybe bad, that. So. Yeah, so so you know, I mean, obviously there's different ways of looking at it, and. and, and the stats aren't going to tell you everything, particularly in the yeah. years which we don't really have complete stats. But um, I don't know. There's there's more to be had there, but that's obviously for uh, another time. Violet. But why did that bum ever go to the Hall of Fame? Uh, yeah, no. 
Obviously, there's probably other reasons why he's in the Hall yeah. of Fame. Not that I can think of, but yeah, he's got a, a negative 2.9 value of replacements. That's a very egregious uh, mistake by the NBA or the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame. So. Right, right, exactly. So, so what did that guy? <laughs> uh, Maravich has uh, he does have like I mean, there's some highlights clearly, some some passing and some scoring stuff. There's a really cool uh, behind the pack uh, underhanded pass to uh, Bellamy heading to the uh, basket for a layup, but. Um, I think a little bit before that, he just completely loses Dick Van Arsdale on like a backdoor cut, like you know, and that sort of shows the inattention to defense. Um, and Van Arsdale, they don't, we don't really see the highlights because uh, they're not shown. But Van Arsdale had a really good um, game here. Um, just uh, you know, he had, I think he was the leading scorer for the um, in the Suns in this game. He had 32 points. Um, did a lot of good screen setting and a lot of good. Um, you know, got a lot of timely rebounds and, um, and and scored real well. So, you know, he was a he was a nice player in his day. Um, and um, so sort of um, I mean, the Suns are up for pretty much, you know, they have a pretty comfortable lead for most of this game. Um, the Hawks do kind of make a comeback to tie late in the third quarter. But then Hawkins heats up in the uh, second half, particularly in the fourth quarter. And the Suns, you know, get back to a uh, comfortable lead. Um, and you could see that Hawkins, like he reminded me like just body type of Dr. J with like the long arms and the big hands. Yeah. Um, it was just able to like reach for offensive rebounds higher than anybody else or get the ball up high for layups past, you know, defenders who are trying to block his shot. Um, you know, we, again, we didn't see a whole lot, even though he did end up with, um, you know, 20 points or so, um, you know, all in the second half and most of them, I believe in the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, he was able to do that. Um, and, um, so, so the Suns end up winning 127, 115 and, Funny thing is, the Suns would actually finish forty-eight and thirty-four that year. They were in the West, and they would miss the playoffs. <laughs> the The Hawks were still in the East. They would go West later in the decade, and then then go back in the East in the early eighties. But they finished thirty-six and forty-six. But they actually made the playoffs, and they um they lost to the Knicks in the first round, and they actually made the playoffs over a 44 and 38 Celtics team in their same conference. (laughs) Because I, at the time uh, they took two teams from each division. This was, I like, I think this was actually the first year in which they went from, uh, they had, they had four divisions instead of two divisions. This is the first year for conference play. So it's either the first or second. <laughs> I, I, actually, I think it's the second year for conference play. Yeah. So that's a, uh, so, so th- did not work out. That, that well, didn't, yeah. that did not last that much longer. Like I, I, 74, <laughs> they switched it. So it was just conference record. And, and right. if you won your division, you would get it, but it wasn't, uh, you, you didn't take two from each division. You, you took, you know, um, the top three or the top four, but you had to include the division winner. So so you could still finish with a worse record than somebody, I guess, in the other division. But you would, right. at least if you won your division, you know, that at least makes a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, thankfully, that issue has been resolved and there's never, ever uh, an issue of, of who's going to make the playoffs oh, or anything like yeah. that anymore. So it, it, I'm glad they all tied that up in the uh, yeah. in the early 70s. It, so yeah, the, that we, we'll never have another argument about uh, conferences or divisions or anything like that, which is great. I love just knowing that everyone's a playoff team and they deserve to go in and we're done. Good. East-West imbalance is not a problem at all. <laughs> right. It's so good. It it's is. so nice not to have these issues that we have. And, you know, we used to have then. So. Right. Right. So it's like how tanking, you know. Tank, just started five years tanking. ago. Never yeah. happened before. It's never like, been a know. problem before until now. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> despite every, every 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 pretty much every episode we've had at some point you 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 see like an article about a team just in, intentionally being awful or you know to to get a good draft yeah but yeah, yeah. no okay. definitely exactly. so uh next we have the uh bulls versus celtics um in uh christmas 1990 uh, i'm sorry did i say celtics yes yeah that's all right. no the pistons we should say before we before we go on of how we pick these uh these oh, games essentially what we did is uh we sort of had a list or a, 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 we basically scoured youtube to try to figure out everything that we had highlights of i mean it, it when we first had this idea we thought okay let's let's try every christmas game we can possibly do and then it's like oh wait there's only highlight videos or i mean there's no i mean very few full games we were hoping nba league pass would have a decent amount they didn't have too much so we essentially had to go okay here's what we have clips of and then you picked two, I picked two, and then we had a fan vote for the last one. And we'll, we'll kind of get to which one won the fan vote. But uh, these are your two, your two picks, correct? They are, yes. Okay, so yeah, just to, just to clarify, yeah, the Bulls, Pistons, and the in the the sorry, Suns. Yeah, I don't know what the hell got caught in my throat. The Hawks, Suns. Those were our um, uh, those were your two picks, and I have the two picks coming up here. And then we had the one fan vote, but that's sort of how we got to it. And we we. Um, Despite our lie at the beginning, we, we did not watch every Christmas game ever. We didn't? So I apologize. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. Uh, I, I did. Dear God, I apologize, yeah. sir. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 haven't, what? I haven't slept in six days, but you right. know, everything's fine. I had to watch the <laughs> um, I feel bad at those Knicks, like, 1990s, like, late 90s Knicks games that you had, unfortunately. It was, it was, just it was not, it was through, not yeah. a good time. Not, not a good time for me. Charles right. Smith scoring 10 points and being the second highest scorer. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> So this is, um, of course, in the midst of a big Bulls-Pistons rivalry, which the Pistons had uh, had the better of up until this point. I believe they'd been in the playoffs three straight seasons, and the Pistons had dispatched the Bulls um, each time, although the the um, Bulls had gradually done better in those uh, postseason series. But the, um, the Pistons still, they had won... Um, they had won 28 out of the last 37 games, um, and also um, 15 to three of the past regular season games. So, so the Pistons still mostly had the Bulls' number. Um, both had um, both had good records. They're very close in the standings. Well, they were 18 and nine and 16 and 11. Detroit was 16 and 11, so Detroit was a little bit back. Um, they had actually played um, just a few days earlier, from on December twentieth, nineteen ninety, and the uh, the Pistons smashed them pretty good. Um, and uh, you know, Phil Jackson even kind of suggested that, like, oh, okay, we're we might need to make some changes here because you know we're just not measuring up to the um, to the Pistons, and we'll see, you know, what. I mean, the quote is, and then if we can't produce a game against this club, we'll have to think about what we're doing with our personnel and what we're doing with our team. So, you know, uh, it's sort of interesting that they're at least that's at least the, the talk that he's having, whether they're re- thinking mm-hmm. of that or not, or whether they really feel like, OK, if they're having questions at this point of, OK, can we actually make it past these guys? Right. Yeah. And, th- and that was obviously a huge concern in, in Chicago. I mean, the narrative now, we, we just sort of assume, you know, they they beat them and then they, you know, they were great and Jordan never failed and this sort of stuff. But I mean, this was the big theme was, yeah, it was it was the 
And interestingly enough, it was the tough guy Pistons versus kind of the 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 weak minded Bulls, which which is unbelievable now when you think of you know what 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 you know the the sort of the the entire narrative surrounding Michael Jordan is that he's just this this <laughs> he wins at all costs and all this sort of stuff. And Scott, you know, we know Scottie Pippen is you know top fifty player of all time, but yeah, he and in the articles, you know, you can re- listen to this our Scottie Pippen podcast about that too. People were really questioning him as sort of that that next. The next guy with Jordan. It was obviously Jordan. Knew, everybody knew he was the man and just a great player, but not so much about Scottie Pippen. Everybody was sort of concerned about, is he the right guy to, you know, to take them to this next level? And also the supporting cast, which, you know, on its face isn't great. I mean, obviously when they win three in a row and, and the defense goes to another level and Horace Grant, you know, breaks out and all that sort of stuff, it, it, it seems now easy to say, yeah, what a great team it was. But at this time, without any success, it was kind of a question. It was Jordan and a bunch of kind of stiffs at that point. Yeah, yeah. So, um so the Pistons actually lost seven of eight games before the win against the um, Bulls. So they're you know they're they're getting older. Um, you know, uh, Lambeer is thirty three. Um, Vinnie Johnson's thirty four. Mark McGuire's thirty one. Thomas is twenty nine. He actually only played forty eight games that year, um, presuming injury. Um, mm-hmm. And um, and and so you know, there's just some signs like okay, it's it's you know, Robin's 29, although obviously he played for a, a long time afterward. Dumars is the you know the youngest major player at 27. Sally's 26, so they're the younger guys. But uh, you know, mo- obviously most of the key players are you know 30 and older. So you know, it, it, in retrospect, it was kind of become it had to be clear that it was you know not going to be their time forever. Right. Um. And um. So the Bulls uh, end up uh, end up winning this game. Uh, the the YouTube clip that we had is basically all uh, Michael Jordan highlights, which on one hand is great because it's Michael Jordan and it's always fun to watch him um, be awesome. But uh, it's a little disappointing because we were, ho- you know, um, I think we want to see more of the game and kind of more of like how it went, right. you know. And that's an issue, unfortunately, with a lot of YouTube videos that we look up. A lot of them, especially through all this, is a lot of it is, and we're going to get to games later, where where if Kobe Bryant's involved, chances are there's only going to be a, a YouTube video of Kobe Bryant highlights and all of his shots and all of his steals and rebounds or whatever, and not the entire game. It's so hard to find just just full-out game highlight videos. And, and I understand it's Jordan, it's Kobe, it's that sort of stuff. A lot of people just want to watch those guys, but us nerds, we want to watch the whole damn thing. I want to see... I want to see Horace Grant setting some screens. Come yeah, on, like, exactly. Like, come on, people. Like, and Hor- I want an elbow jumper. I want elbow jumpers from Bill Cartwright. Is that so much to ask? According to the AP uh, AP version of the story, um, uh, Grant actually lost his starting role to Stacey King at this point. I, I think that was <laughs> right, very yes, short lived, but um, that must have been just Jordan pissed off about something. <laughs> yeah, or Phil <laughs> just playing fun mind games or whatever. Yeah, because obviously Horace Grant is a uh, uh, I, this is shocking a better player than Stacey yeah. King, but yeah. That's uh that sometimes that happens because you know that which is particularly interesting because Stacey King, if you read the Jordan rules, is like Jordan's like whipping boy like that. He just cannot like that's his favorite thing in practice to do is just call out Stacey King for how horrible He's he is. Kind of so the Mara, Mara Chalmers, of the, and sometimes uh, actually punch him. So yeah, <laughs> occasionally knock him out because you know hey. yeah why not? Um, so um, before there's a, a sort of a New York Times there's a New York Times feature on Bill Cartwright of course who had played for the Knicks and was kind of a disappointment there uh, was criticized for bad defense and and bad rebounding and apparently was nicknamed Invisible just <laughs> fun but he, you know they talk about well now now he's good and he's part of the Bulls surge and he's uh, been healthy for you know a uh, He's he's actually been healthy for the first time in years and uh, and so forth. Um, 
Yeah, the the main thing about the highlights, I guess, um, is uh, they are um, there. This is the first year for the NBA and NBC. So we have Marv Albert and Mike Fratello on commentary. Uh, Phil Jackson's wearing his fanciest bow tie, it appears. Oh, great bow tie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I mean, Jordan obviously does a lot of awesome things. He has a great up and under in traffic for a layup. Um, splits the double team. Like, just shoots through it, like, with the Cartwright screen and just, like, smoothly, like, stops and nails a 15-footer. And, um, you know, just the, how fast he accelerates and then how he is able to stop and just – do that all in you know in the smoothest most impossible is oh is yeah pretty amazing. it's 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 unbelievable there, there's another split double team where he just goes around his back like there, there's a double team and he just drives in between them goes around his back like like tosses the ball behind his back and then just does like a layup in traffic and just like yeah just it, it's like it I, I can't imagine trying to guard him because it's like there's guys in the way there's people put and he just like find like he doesn't get hit on these like we're, I'm talking about this play, and he he probably all five guys probably are focused on him at, at at in this particular play that I'm talking about, and nobody even goes as near as touching him, and it goes in like you know, like he splits a double team, neither of the guys touch him, and he goes up for a layup in traffic, and he just like he, it's just like he was floating in it like it's unbelievable to watch yeah. you know the highlights of him. It's just just especially and you know the Pistons are no slouch defensively, obviously we we know that, but it's just it's incredible to watch him at work, and yeah this 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 game in particular what was was classic great Jordan work. Yeah, absolutely. And um the um and then um uh, there's also a really cool fade away from like the baseline like almost, you know, behind the basket like that um was just like, yeah, you know, he was pretty great. Michael Jordan, pretty good at basketball. <laughs> um and his second son had been born 32 hours before the tip off. So he uh yes, celebrating his uh celebrating bringing a a new new boy, and um, Joe Dumars uh, apparently threw an elbow into Horace Grant's stomach. Um, Grant retaliated by throwing a right hand to his midsection, and uh, in full view of the officials, and uh, he was ejected from the game. Uh, apparently, they sort of like apologized right afterwards, so there was there was not much heat between the two of them. I guess Dumars is the only guy who um, you know on the Pistons who is uh, not so hateable. So. He managed to um, he, he managed to get away from that. And um, I don't know anything more. Uh, anything else stand out to you about the game in particular? Not really. I mean, obviously, it's great to hear Marv Albert. You know, classic Marv Albert, classic NBA and NBC. And and sure. yeah, there's not a whole lot else that kind of stands out with this one. It's it's you know, it's interesting to know that that um, you know that the Bulls had lost you know you know a few days prior because they looked great. I mean, they looked like they were easily better than the Pistons. So it's, it's kind of funny to see. Maybe it's that getting Horace Grant out of there and getting the, the influx of Stacey King really <laughs> helped them. But no, it's pretty interesting because it doesn't look at any point. I mean, at least through the highlights we're watching, which unfortunately is just Michael Jordan, but sort of looking at, at the, the, the box score and stuff too, it seems like this is the Bulls and they just, they just ran away with this thing. So it's kind of interesting to see that, you know, a few days prior, but you know, this is life in the NBA. And, and uh, it was funny to see classic Rodman as well. There's a few highlights of him. And, and then you look at the box score. He had one point and 10 rebounds because <laughs> That, that was <laughs> that's that is Rodman. Yeah. So that's uh, it's just it's just great how you know how he fit in with that whole team. But yeah, that's... Grant, um, he's he played seventy eight games and started seventy six. So the uh, the Stacey King starting d- did not last too long. Yeah, well, and in this game, uh, in this game in particular, he gets more minutes than yeah. Stacey King. So I won. I mean, he gets one more minute, but yeah, right. I mean that, that the whole your bench is uh, yeah. That, so that leads me to believe it's probably something uh, like that. And obviously, he does 
quite well off the bench for his grants. So yeah, it was, it was an interesting game nonetheless. But yeah, I wish I really do wish we could get a full highlight of this. But either way, still a decent amount of fun. Yeah, yeah. And um, of course, this would be they would meet in the uh, conference finals uh, where the Bulls would sweep the Pistons um, mm-hmm. after the Pistons had beaten the Hawks and the uh, and the Celtics. So a um, and you know and of course that's one of the uh, defining moments of the uh, the changing of the guard from the Pistons to the Bulls and the. Uh, Leading to the Bulls dynasty of the 1990s. Yep. All thanks to Stacey King. All thanks to Stacey King. That's right. <laughs> this game was the momentum that they needed to go to the rest <laughs> this of the way. It. I mean, this I think I think we can unequivocally say that. We, we so. absolutely can say there. There's absolutely no. You know, we're not going to let facts get in the way of a good narrative. <laughs> right. So, Stacey King, you are the the reason the Bulls won. I'm going to go six championships because you know that 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 got Jordan thinking about winning and. Yeah, so it, I, I, I can easily say that Stacey King is the reason they won six times. I think that's so. fair. <laughs> so, uh, so next is uh, one of your choices, Rich. Yeah, so I picked um, the Orlando Magic versus the Detroit Pistons, uh, 2002. And the reason I picked this game is because I I remember it vividly because, and I'm not sure we we didn't get a chance to kind of talk about this, but but. Um, Maybe, maybe this is a good time to do it. Um, what, what sort of your memories of watching the NBA on Christmas? Before I kind of get into mine, because that, that kind of segues into, into why I picked this game. Sure. Well, um, honestly, my probably my favorite Christmas as a grown-up was, um, was one year where I was incredibly sick. And the only thing that – and we were visiting family um, – and the only thing that I had the strength to do was to sit on a couch uh, away from other people who were um, doing Christmas things and watch uh, four NBA games in uh, one day. Nice. Uh, that is my favorite. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> a great Christmas memory. I don't even remember exactly what year it would have. It would have been late in the 2000s, uh, I guess. But um, but yes, that would be my. Uh, it might have you know might have been Odin's first year. Um, might have been 07. Okay. Yeah, that's on. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, the, the point being is that um, <laughs> my favorite Christmas memory is not being with people watching basketball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with, right. Which, which will segue into mine, I think, pretty nicely. Yeah. But. No, so the, the thing that I always remember about, you know, the Christmas Day games is, is sort of in, in my family, our, our Christmas tradition is on, you know, Christmas Eve. We'll go to my dad's side of the family, which is a lot of fun. There's a lot of people that are my age. You know, we play games. It's a very jovial event. It's, it's very fun. You know, we open gifts on that day as well. That's my favorite day of the year. I mean, I love that day. I look forward to that day no matter what. And, and I don't I don't watch. We don't watch TV. We just there's always something to do. You know, occasionally if it's nice out, we'll go play basketball. But living in Chicago, it's not except for this year. It might be. But, you know, we'll do kind of stuff like that. It, it's just it's just a good old time. And then what we used to do is on Christmas Day, we'd open presents. You know, I do that. And then we'd go to my grandma's uh, or my aunt's house on my, on my mom's side or whatever. And that was not fun. That was absolutely dreadful because the only, the only cousins I liked, they didn't show up. Um, pretty much there was nobody there for me to ever talk to. Like I was the youngest person there by probably about 25 years, pretty much at any given time. Like there was occasionally a cousin or two would, would stop by or do whatever. But for the most part, I, I didn't really get along with them as much as I did. So essentially the, those days, like I when, when I discovered that there was basketball and it played all day like that. That was like, thank God I can finally do something because, because, you know, during the Bulls, you know, that was still a big thing. You know, when, when the Bulls were a big deal and they were playing on Christmas, all the old guys there, you know, all the grandpas or whatever would, would go after they eat, 
and they would go into this other room. This it was this horribly dark, dingy basement. It was like the most depressing place ever, which is a great thing for Christmas. It's just to be depressed and dark. Uh, so we'd go down there, and there'd just be these old guys, and they would watch the Bulls or whatever. They'd all fall asleep by about the second quarter or whatever, because they were all you know either liquored up or, or <laughs> had enough turkey or whatever. So they'd all fall asleep. So it was basically just me watching the rest of these games by myself, hearing snores. Uh, slowly but sure, they all kind of started dying off or whatever, or just you know for whatever reason they they would stop coming or or yeah. I mean we had a lot of. I mean my grandpa died and a bunch of the other you know older uncles or whatever passed on or whatever and then i still just kind of kept it alive because i would go there my mom would talk to her sisters and my grandma and there was like me and my dad were like the only two males of like any sort of age that were there so we would kind of go in this dark dingy room and i'd turn on the nba and i would say yeah this is pretty cool like like that was the only thing that got me through that day it was like oh we gotta go to this stupid basement but i was like you know what basketball beyond all day and 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 in particular i remember this game because i remember this was one that i which is an awful, awful day. I think like one of the other families that I enjoyed wasn't going to come. So I was like, dear God, it's going to be like my mom, my grandma, and my aunts that I hate, and like my dad. And that's it. My dad fell asleep, and I was like, God, I have nothing to do. You know, like I literally have nothing to do here. Like it's like the most unfun place ever. That there's no good food, there's no sweets, there's like nothing for me to do. And I remember turning on this game and just being blown away by how much I enjoyed this game. And this. You know, this is around the time when I became a, just a gigantic NBA fan. I think this is it, it, this game is is a big part of that because I just I, I remember just being glued to the TV watching Tracy McGrady. And the game I picked was, if you didn't get to that, uh, the Orlando Magic versus the Detroit Pistons from uh, 2002, which just a fascinating game in a lot of ways. Uh, you had an interesting note in our kind of show notes here is that the uh, and I, I thought about it as well is that the, when you watch these games of the early 2000s. The baggy shorts and the loose-fitting jerseys and there's just the fashion of the early 2000s looks so weird. You know, it looks so outdated now. Yeah. I mean, when you see it. Like, like we, we always make the joke, and you, you mentioned that too. We make the joke about the short shorts in the 80s and, like, the, the afros in the 70s or whatever. Go back and watch a 2002 game. Like, you – just as ridiculous because you're like, why are you wearing such horrible clothes? <laughs> like, like, like why is your – why are your shorts, like, all the way to your ankles? Like, why are you wearing, like, terrible, like, rock wear like, jumpsuits or whatever? Like, the fashion's so awful. So bad. Yeah, it, it, it is funny. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like that long long ago, although obviously it kind of is. Um, 12 years is a decent amount of time. Obviously, things change in that way. But yeah, I just, just the way the jerseys look on people and the way that, yeah, like the way the McGrady's jersey's hanging off of him, you know, as he's, uh, you know, putting on this great performance is just sort of like, you know, <laughs> there's nothing classic feeling about that part of it anyway. No, no, not at all. And like, yeah, you, you really just understand. I mean, when you, I, I think we sort of assume that like post short shorts, everything was just kind of the same. And like now we, they're dressed the same. But I mean, the jerseys look way different now or then than they do now. I mean, we're, we're going to a more loose, you know, a, a more a tighter jersey like crazy. You know, obviously you have the jersey shirts, which are a whole different level. But yeah, it's it's you'd be surprised if you watched this. Just how weird the 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 fashion and the uniforms especially look. You know, in the early two thousands, you you would just assume no more short shorts. Okay, it's all the same. But no, it's 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 not. So. Um, it's also an ESPN game, so you have Mike Tirico and Greg Anthony. What, what do you think of that combo? I, I really enjoy it. I forgot how much I enjoyed Greg Anthony. Yeah, Greg Anthony's pretty good. Um, I've always liked him, too. Um, you know, Not that he's, like, standout, but he's you know, he's definitely solid, you know. He's definitely a solid, you know, second or third tier announced team, you know. Um, and and, and Tirico's fine. You know, Tirico does a, uh, d- does a pretty solid job. He's not as classic as Marv Albert, but, you know. No, no, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy Tirico, but, yeah, I, I, there's... 
he's sort of he's sort of just kind of there. Like I don't think I, I, I actively dislike him. Like there's some NBA commentators I actively dislike. The, he's just there for the most part. I don't really care one way or another. But I think he does a good job. He he reminds me of Christmas in a lot of ways of the the 2000s Christmas because he always does those games. But uh, yes, yeah, an interesting game for a lot of reasons. Um, you obviously have Grant Hill uh, on the Orlando Magic. Um, this was the, uh, the second time he had played uh, Detroit since signing with the, the Magic, and obviously, so many issues with him signing with the Magic. I mean, he played four games that year, or he only played four more games in this prior year. You know, in this year, the prior year I think was fourteen games or something like that. I mean, this was in the midst of his just complete breakdown, where you really just assumed that this was just a guy. And I know the narrative at the time was just like, man, that you know, here's a guy with all the talent in the world, he can be the next you know NBA star, and there's just, I mean. People were doubting that he would ever be able to play again, or that I mean, because it was just year after year after year, this ankle just would not heal, and like his entire tenure in Orlando was just a total train wreck for that point. But interestingly enough, he he ended up having a pretty solid career, you know, <laughs> which was shocking because at this time, and, and and you read the articles too, it's just like you just assume that it's like over like this guy, like, you know, like a Greg Oden type where it's like, okay, the guy can't stay healthy. So just forget it. Like it's over. But, uh, or like Andrew Bynum, it might be an app comparison as well, but no, he, uh, he carved out a pretty nice career for him. Um, interestingly enough, uh, McGrady was also not supposed to play in this game. He, uh, had an injured back at the hands of a Kobe Bryant elbow <laughs> on December 15th, which, uh, do we ever find out if it was inadvertent, inadvertent or, uh, uh I didn't, Kobe. I, I don't know. I, I'm sure it wasn't like he shoved him, but I was like, I always be curious to see what happened. But either way, Kobe somehow, some way elbowed, uh, Tracy McGrady in the back. And it was, uh, led to believe that Tracy was not going to play in this game, but he did. And, uh, needless to say, he played pretty well. He had 46 points on uh, 14 of 26 shots, uh, six rebounds and three steals. So a pretty decent game, I'd say for, for Mr. Uh, McGrady. Uh, Mike Miller had a good game. He scored 15 points for Orlando. Um, Grant Hill uh, played in this game, but struggled a lot. He, he shot uh, three for 17. He only had 10 points, but had 15 rebounds uh, to get another double double. And as we said, he would only play four more games in this uh, year. I wonder how many of his own shots he rebounded. <laughs> right. I mean, he had 14 chances at least. So yeah, I mean that's that's not a bad yeah that's that's not a bad thought yeah. yeah. You, you, Unfortunately, the highlights you couldn't see that too much because a lot of these highlight videos were Tracy McGrady, and and not, needless to say that that's that's probably a decent idea. We don't need Mike Miller highlights or whatever. But um, Detroit, this is a little bit of an interesting Detroit team. It's still kind of a, a team in flux. I mean, it'd be the next, it'd be another maybe two, it'd be two years until they'd won the championship, but another year until they become really good. Like at this point, they're still okay, you well, know well, what actually, I mean? But they're not really that. Actually, they won it the next season, didn't they? They won. This is the 03 season, so they won it in the 04 season. Oh, was it the O two? Oh, no, okay, all right, never mind. It is the O two O three. Yeah, correct. Okay, so, so they would. Oh, they win win it the next. Yeah, year. Okay. so they they had. I mean, they had Billups and they had. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're ben right. Wallace you're right. and they had uh, Rip Hamilton, and then they would. They, they Tayshawn Prince didn't play in this game, but he was on the team as a rookie. He actually by the end of the season, he actually had a big role with the team. Like he mm-hmm. played a whole. Uh, it, it was weird because he like he started playing. You know, major minutes with a like less than 10 games left in the season and then throw the playoffs he he played. Yeah. Um, so, um, and they, they, they would end up, um, firing Rick Carlisle and getting, um, and getting Larry Brown the next year and then making the Rashid trade in the middle of the mid season. So, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they were still definitely kind of transitioning into that, you know, into that championship team. Mm-hmm. And they didn't seem particularly close to it. I mean, they were, they seemed like a good team, but they didn't, you know, you wouldn't look at this team and think like, oh yeah, they're going to win the title right. pretty soon. I mean, even when the East was kind of, even though the, the East again, historically weak at this point. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, it's funny because these teams would of course, you know, kind of, um, 
end up playing each other in the uh, in the first round of the playoffs this year. The yep. Pistons were the number one seed at 15-32, which kind of, shows, again, is a good example of how weak the East <laughs> was. The Magic were 42-40. and 40. And, you know, I know we're going to – we'll talk about, about this. I'm sure we're going to get into this. But I, I do have to say that, like, um, you know, Tracy McGrady is taking a team that uh, – you. Their second best player basically was Mike Miller, who was traded midway mm-hmm. through the season for um, Drew Gooden. Gordon Gierichek yeah. and, and yeah, Drew Gooden. Yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, like 34-year-old Daryl Armstrong. Pat Garrity was, had played the second most minutes of the team. Uh, you know, Jacques Vaughn, who was kind of iffy, you know, uh, really fat Sean Camp in his last year. I mean, they basically had nobody, you know. Um, so for him to take that team to 42-40 and 40 is is pretty impressive. No, I agree. Yeah, and and we'll talk a little bit more about McGrady in general. I, I this year is definitely not the one that I would ever use an example of 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 Tracy not being you know sort of a a leader or, or a great you know a great performer, a great team performer, whatever. I mean, this one was a matchup because he had. I mean, this this is the year where, where if people want to say you know we had bad teams, yeah, I, I this team was awful. This team was not good at all. It it it'd be a few years prior in a lot of his Houston teams where I'd sort of have the argument to an extent, but yeah, this team was there, there was no question that this was just an awful team and and he had one of the great all-time years and, and there's a great article by uh, uh scott Lee on hardwood paroxysm uh, you could look it up it's called the lost season trace mcgrady that just goes into detail about you know what he was able to accomplish this year and just how good he i mean this is this is without a doubt i mean this is a top 15 season maybe of all time like just unbelievable you know you know sh- averages 32 points a game five rebounds six assists shoots almost uh, above 45 percent from the field you know n- nearly 80 percent from the free throw line you know 38 percent from behind the arc uh true shooting percentage of 56.2 it's just it's just an unbelievable year and as you said to take a team where with you know with with pat garrity and and like mike miller to 42 wins and and have them and one of the things that they talk about in the article and it's, it's one of the defining moments of trace mcgrady is this team almost pulled off of a huge upset it almost beat the number one seed of Detroit Pistons in the first round. Famously, Trace McGrady said, you know, it finally feels good to get in the second round. And then, oh boy, it, it unfortunately came crashing down. And then the Pistons came back and won the series, uh, despite being, you know, down 3-1. And that sort of always kind of defined McGrady. And then obviously the next year in Orlando would be a total train wreck. You know, Doc Rivers would be fired, you know, 11 or so games into the season. Uh, the next year, Trace would be moved to, you know, Houston or whatever. And it was really kind of the end of that Orlando team a lot of it was that playoff series and then the next subsequent year which was just a total mess but um yeah interesting at this point you know the the, the pistons are 18 and 9 so they're they're a good team uh even though they don't look like it and, and the magic are, are 16 and 14 but yeah the, the story of this game i mean especially when you watch the highlights is just tracy mcgrady doing whatever he wants on the court just being unbelievable oh absolutely um yeah you know i um i thought i i wondered if the um mcgrady for steve francis trade was sort of the uh michael ray richardson for bernard king of our uh, mm-hmm. generation yeah, that's an interesting point yeah it was um and you don't see those too often anymore i i like these sort of challenge trades where it's like all right here's here's my disappointing guy here's your disappointing guy like yeah let's see if anything changes I or mean, whatever. But, but mcgrady was like you know a superstar swingman and um and francis was merely like a good guard who yeah you know, it was had a talent but also had major flaws right and and one of the big issues i don't know um 
you know, how much you, you looked it up, but, but Tracy at that point had sort of, after that last year, you know, this year everything was kind of okay or whatever. That next year where they, they just completely melted down, there was a lot of issues with McGrady and management and, and McGrady and, and coaches or whatever. So a lot of it was they kind of, because they, they did not get the best of that deal, let's, let's be honest. I mean, even at the time, I remember, and I, I wasn't the biggest McGrady fan, but even at the time, I was like, ah, Steve Francis this isn't like a great, because I mean, you kind of knew what the ceiling was with Steve Francis and you weren't necessarily sure what the ceiling was with Tracy McGrady. If, you know, if you could put him with a good team, if he could be a little bit more committed to practicing and, and defense and that sort of stuff and, and, and team ball or whatever, what he could have done as well. But no, it was always sort of, even at the time, I remember it being sort of like, eh, Trace or, or Steve Francis, I don't know if that's really, you know, the best move. But uh, what worked out, though, is that, is that next year, you know, when, when Orlando was so bad is they got the number one overall pick and it turned into Dwight Howard. Yeah. So it kind of kickstarted their next sort of generation there. And Orlando's good about that, of of... <laughs> sort of backing into uh, a really, really good big man and a good pick and a good little sort of run for a few. I mean, they've obviously had some struggles, uh, you know, as of late. But, yeah, it's interesting to see where the franchise went. I, I just find it always sort of fascinating that the McGrady thing ended so quickly. Like they had, you know, it, it's surprising that they didn't sort of hang with him a little bit and that it was that sort of next year that he was gone. Yeah. Like Because at this time, like he's just he's the god of Orlando. You, you know what I mean? Like it's it's unfathomable that they would – ship him out, you know, a year later. So, you know, I believe if the Hawks had lost one more game, they would have, um, they would have gotten the number one pick for, uh, um, that year and been able to draft yeah. Dwight Howard. But then we would have missed out on the uh, great 2004, 2005 Hawks. <laughs> they would have, they would have been too good. They would have had Dwight Howard. They probably would have won like right. 20 games and, or, you know, 20, uh, who did they games. get in that draft? Uh, they got Josh Smith and Josh Childress. Childress, uh, was picked at six. Oh, okay. Well, that's so, that draft. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. That was the, it didn't, uh, work, yeah. didn't work out well, quite as well. That's not a very good draft. Have you ever looked at that draft? Um, I, I, it, I it's been here. a while it's, since it's, I it's looked at good. it. So, um, so you have Dwight Howard. I mean, you've, obviously you've Luol Deng. Um, you have, um, I'm trying to think of who else there is in that. Draft. Yeah, a lot of them are. I mean, you have Dwight Howard, Emeka Okafor, yeah. uh, Ben Gordon, Sean Livingston. I mean, I, I, Sean Livingston, obviously, the injury yeah, was a big part he, of him. He was well on his way to having a pretty good. It's it's basically the role player draft. You have Devin Harris, uh, Josh Childress, Luol Deng, um, Sorry, Toronto Raptors fans, you can just turn this off now if you want. Uh, Rafael Arruyo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he was All right, uh, Raptors fans, you can come back. Uh, Andre Ugadala. Yeah. Luke, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers fans, you can take a quick break here because you drafted Luke Jackson. So He only played 73 games in the uh, league. Uh, yeah. Arruyo played twice that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Oh, God. He played. Oh, that's unbelievable that he played. Uh, Andres Biedrich, so you got, uh, unfortunately, the Supersonics, you got Robert Swift here. Oh, which, yeah. This is not no. This is actually. I'm, I'm going to put this in the bad draft. Uh, Sebastian Telfair, Chris Humphreys, Al Jefferson, yeah. Kirk Snyder, Josh Smith, J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith. Yeah, Darrell Wright, uh, Jameer Nelson, my guy, the seven foot nine <laughs> Russian, Pavel Patelik, <laughs> uh, Victor Kriapa. Oh my God, a run on Slovenian and the Russians. Yeah. Oh, Dante. And, t- and Tony Dante Allen, was. Kevin Martin. Yeah, the role players. Nice, player nice draft. little. Uh, good... nice, yeah, nice little things. Anderson Verzhal comes in. Um, Number the Minnesota Timberwolves continue to violate uh, forfeit picks because of Oh, that's <laughs> Joe right. Smith. I forgot about that. This is like their 10-year punishment for yeah. signing Joe Smith. Sasha Vujic uh, at 27. Yeah, Chris Duhan. Okay. Trevor Trevor Riza. Yeah. Trevor Riza comes up. Pape Sow. Pape Sow. Da- Dante, Dante Smith. You know, Atlanta uh, Hawks. Yeah. Uh, two, yeah. Royal <laughs> Ivy, the three picks apart. Yeah. yeah. Royal Ivy. Okay. All right. Duhan, not bad. Yeah. You know, Trevor Riza, 43. I mean, low on superstars, but but decent on role players. Yeah, I uh, I'm okay with this draft. I I, I, okay. I bet there are you know 
I think we worst I draft. think we have a draft show in us, so I, I you know we'll have to kind of determine where <laughs> the where this draft, draft kind of fits in the mix of um uh, of those drafts because I, I I mean definitely 2002. Okay, I, th- I think the easy answer for me is 2002. Uh, well, the 2000 draft's really bad. Oh, the, oh, that yeah. You know what? You're right. Yeah, that one's probably because this one is 2002. Um, it, Yao Ming, Jay Williams, Mike Dunleavy, Drew Gooden. Uh, Denver Nuggets fans, you could turn this off. You have uh, Skeetish Vili. Yeah, Dewan Wagner. <laughs> uh, Dewan Wagner. Yeah, Nene Hilario, Chris Wilcox, Amari Stoudemire, Karan Butler. Um, yeah. <laughs> Matt Barnes comes in later. Yeah. Uh, Boozer's in there. Yeah, we're in. We're, yeah. Was Boozer's second round? Yeah, he was. He was way second right, round. right, yeah, 34. Yeah. Because yeah. that was when Duke guys were like, boo, hiss. Like, they're all bad. Remember, remember that, that was going on for a while? Yeah. Uh, 2000 is, yeah, Kenyon Martin and then Stromile Swift, Darius Miles, Marcus Pfizer, Mike. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think 2000 would, yeah. would be my guess, but, you know, they're. Yeah, Jamal Baglore is one of the best players here. So right. <laughs> that's, uh, that doesn't. Michael Red kind of. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was, in there, he was so second round, bad. right? Yeah. Wow. Oof. Yeah, when Deshaun Stevenson is pretty much one of your top five guys in this draft class, it's probably that's, not. That's not. Uh, yeah, that's a dumpster fire. Okay, let's never idea. talk about that ever again. Yeah. So, there, until we do our draft eight, show and then eight, let us talk. There about are eight it, yeah. players with over point uh, one uh, winters for forty eight. So. <laughs> oh boy! All right. <laughs> that's that's not. That was a fun diversion. Yes, I'm glad that was our little mini day. Yeah. So we should. Because we had none planned. Should we take a little break? Yeah, let's do a quick break, and then we'll we'll finish up with our last uh, last two here. Okay. All right, we are back, and we are going to talk about our the the winner of our listener poll was the uh, Miami Heat versus Los Angeles Lakers in two thousand and four. The first game be- uh, between Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant after the uh, their breakup in Los Angeles, the um, Lakers. Um, after winning three championships and uh, losing in their fourth attempt to the uh, Pistons, uh, decided to uh, trade Shaq. Uh, they, I don't know if they fired Phil Jackson, but let Phil Jackson go, <laughs> and um, and then resigned uh, Kobe Bryant, and it was now Kobe's team. Absolutely, yeah. It was a uh, very, a very much of a changing of the guard. And that was, uh, if you don't remember that, that prior year was the the Gary Payton, Carl Malone, like you know yes. that that sort of Lakers team. Yeah. So that that was that was all out, and it was it was volatile at that point. It, it, everybody sort of knew when it once it was over. If they didn't win a championship, a lot of this wasn't going to be like it was before. So yeah, everyone had kind of grown to hate each other. So yeah, uh, <laughs> that's that's the that's the nice way of putting but, it. But so, Phil, yeah. Phil at least will be back soon, and mm-hmm. um, the um. Uh, I, so the the Heat are playing very well at this point. They're uh, they're twenty two and seven. They've won ten straight in a row. The Lakers are fourteen and twelve. Um, so they're struggling a bit. They were they they got um, Lamar Odom and uh, Brian Grant and Karam Butler in the Shaq trade. So you know mm-hmm. that's that's not a, a a bad haul. Butler didn't play in this game. Um, he was hurt, so um, or presumably was hurt. He didn't play, so um, you know. And it's basically, um, yeah. I mean, uh, like you know, I don't know, describe like the pregame hype. 
Yeah, so obviously the narrative surrounding this was, and, and if it, I don't know if you were, were you, because you were sort of out of the game at this I, point. Were you? Were you? I, this was big enough that like I was paying. I probably okay. This is like a pop culture yeah, I mean, this was thing. Huge. Like this, this was. Yeah, I mean, this, this is. I believe this is like the biggest regular season NBA game in like you know more than a decade. Right. Yeah. This this, this was a pop culture thing because it was this sort of it was some, it was a sexy story that like you know sports fans you know wanted to see it, but then also other people just the idea that these two you know star players hate each other and and what's going to happen when they finally meet or whatever. So the narrative around this was was totally just you, you know how are they going to you know how are they going to interact with each other? How would you know Shaq be perceived? You know how would you know would they would they shake hands? Would they hug? Would they look each other in the face? Would they start fighting? You know, in the middle, you know, during the game, would they fight? So it was, it was very interesting how that was going to sort of play out and what was going to happen there. Um, the, it, it was it was cordial for the most part. They did a, they did sort of a bro hug is the easiest way I could say it before the game, but it was not. It was like the coldest bro hug ever. I mean, it was Shaq was looking up, Kobe was looking at the ground, and it, it, it couldn't have lasted more than like 0. 0.2 seconds where they sort of you know gave a quick little hug to each other and that was it. It, it was over. But uh, before the game though, it was pretty interesting, and, and I remember that being sort of a, an issue as well as how you know how was LA going to react to Shaq? I mean, this is obviously a player that that w- was instrumental in bringing them three championships. You know, how was he going to be you know welcomed and he was welcomed with open arms i mean they played a highlight video before everybody was cheering for him and, and it seemed to lighten the mood a little bit for him at least and I, I wonder if that sort of helped lessen the tension that was there between kobe and Shaq because it's pretty obvious from this pregame hug that there, there's there's not a lot of love lost it's not like they hate each other but they're not the best of friends they don't really want to have a, a, a you know they, they, this wasn't they Shaq didn't pull him aside and they had a little chit chat before the game and, and reminisced about times past it was sort of okay you know you're on this team i'm on this team all right let's go um Pretty interesting enough, uh, Shaq blocked uh, Kobe's first shot attempt, so that was kind of interesting, and that led to just a, a giant hush over the crowd. Um, and, and interestingly enough, uh, Shaq would also foul out on a Kobe shot attempt, so they were sort of interlinked this entire game. But uh, yeah, it was it, it was very interesting between you know how this was going to start and and just. I remember it being a little disappointing for a lot of people. I think a lot of people, at least the people uh, I was in the room with, really expected something like volatile to happen. And, and it wasn't, but uh, it, it was still kind of cold. You could tell there wasn't a necessarily a whole, like, there was respect there, but that's that's about it. Yeah, I mean, the biggest, I think, think comes right at the end where Shaq gives sort of, you know, a decent hard foul to, on a Kobe shot attempt at the end, you know, which... He said he kind of later after the game, he said it was sort of he'd forgotten that he had five at the time. But he also said that, like, you know, no dunks, no layups, you know, for anyone. But then especially <laughs> him, I think, was the right. was the quote. So he, he at this point was not referring to Kobe by name. He would only call him. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's. Yeah. So, so the heat. um yeah, this was you know right before this was the year before they won the title. They actually were really strong. Yeah. In the regular, they were fifty nine and twenty three first in the East, but they lost to the um, Pistons in the conference finals. Um, and uh, you know they had Wade and Haslam and um, Shaq, who are you know probably the best known players from that uh, team. They also had. Um, uh, they had Eddie Jones, who was you know aging, but was still you know a a key player for them. They had Damon Jones, who um, I think this is by far his his career best year. I mean, he shot forty three percent from three point line and uh, sort of became the he did he did sort of kind of become like a famous player for a while, you know, relatively speaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was on that. He was a big part of the Cavaliers when they were really good as well. So yeah. uh, with with LeBron, so yeah, he was always kind of the assassin there for a little while. Yeah, he, I think he has. Um, oh, he only played for eleven teams. I was. Yeah, he's very close to the um, <laughs> uh, the record. Um, 
because uh, I think the record's twelve. Uh, Jim, Jack- yeah, who is that? Is that Rasul Butler now or uh, James Jones? Uh, or? Or, uh, Jim, no, not James Jones. Jim Jackson has it, and I think he shares it with someone, and I can't remember who. Somebody recently, like this year, I thought added another. Yeah, uh, but Butler doesn't have wasn't been that many. I think we counted the last show. Um, yeah, oh, we did. Yeah, there's some who there's somebody. It's 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 a current player. I know for a fact it's a current guy that that's. In that, but I, I can't recall who it yeah. was. But yeah, actually, he—that's right. Um, he went to Cleveland the uh, year after this and shot thirty-seven um, percent from three, which yes, good, yeah. but not you know forty-three percent. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then there was one year I, I don't have it in front of me. There was one year where I think he shot real well for the Cavs, and it was a big part of that uh, team. The, the last year he shot forty-one percent. Um, okay, maybe his that minutes were down. I mean, you know, he was fine for the Cavs for the role that they were asking him to play. But this was—he was a big time. He was like a starter on this team. Like so that—that's uh, right. I mean, yeah, he was. He was really team, heavy. Yeah, but he was important for you know spacing the floor for what they were doing. So yeah, I mean it worked out. And this was a Stan Van Gundy team, so um, he obviously you know floor spacing's a, a premium for you know even at that point. Right. Uh, actually, Razul Butler Which makes sense now that he's playing on the uh, coaching the Detroit Pistons because there's one team that <laughs> right <laughs> that shows you what floor spacing is all about. Uh, yeah, the I think they might be trying to figure that out. But Razul Butler was actually pretty big uh, on the team too. A Keon Dueling. Um, and uh, and they had a bunch of old guys who didn't do much. Christian Leitner, uh, Alonzo Mourning, who was injured but would later be uh, kind of an important part of the uh, mm-hmm. next year. Um, Wesley Person, Steve Smith. Uh, it's a very weird. You, you yeah. can tell. I mean, the difference between this and the, and the title winning team is pretty unique because you got guys, you know, like the Christian Leitners and Shannon Andersons of the world. Like yeah. definitely the old change of the guard. This is a this is a fun team if you're a '90s basketball fan, though. Yeah, or 2000s basketball fan. Well, right. well oh, I yeah. guess that these were guys from no, the 90s. No, there are a lot of 90s. I mean, there's the a, lot of, I, okay. yeah, there's a like, lot of those guys. Gotcha, yes. Yeah, like a, uh, you, know, you get a Steve Smith, a Leitner, a Shannon Anderson, a right. Jones, a Wesley Person. Like, that's, that's an all-star yeah, team. At, at one point, they had, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Shaq, um, Leitner, and um, and uh, Morning were the top three picks in the 92 draft. Is that right? Oh, that is right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, let me let me find out for sure. But I thought that was something that, that was kind of funny that they had. Yeah, too bad they didn't have Jim Jackson because uh, he was number four. Yeah, so <laughs> rounded it out. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, one, two, and three. So, um, at some point they had Lafonso Ellis, right? I, I was he ever? A, I don't believe I. He was. Oh, he was a Heat, and this year, two thousand two, two thousand three. Right, well, oh no, oh. four or five. Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! Why did they keep him? Yeah, <laughs> would have been great. Yeah, oh, it's missed out a chance at history. And all you need is Jimmy Jackson. You can call Jimmy Jackson; he'll come and play. Yeah, I think he was with Phoenix, maybe at this point. Or yeah, it was I believe Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. he was either Phoenix or, no, no, or the, he Rock. was the Rockets. Yeah, Phoenix or the Rockets. Yeah, yeah, he would go to Phoenix the next year, I think. So, and it was two years prior that he was with the Heat. Oh, oh man, right. what a missed opportunity! Did they have Lafonso Ellis and Jim Jackson at the same time. I think so. <laughs> wow, God, we're right there, <laughs> right on the cost. Yeah, <laughs> Pat Riley loves 1992. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, um, Wade played really well in this game too. I, we don't have that in the highlights because all the highlights are uh, Shaq or Kobe. But he had 29 yeah. points, 10 assists. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Jones played pretty well. He had four three pointers, 18 points. Um, you know, was just sort of at the end of his being good. He, he's another guy, kind of forgotten guy because he played with yeah. Lakers at the wrong time, I guess. But he was—he sort of missed out on every team's like. Big, like like he would leave the team and then they would have like prolonged success or whatever, which is is interesting because he's not a bad. I mean, he's a really really good player, but yeah, he sort of gets lost in the shuffle because there's just he's not definable by any you know. <clears throat> and I mean, he's not definable by any. There's not a long playoff run or a long series or whatever that we remember him or remember this great NBA Finals game that you know Eddie Jones had. He's just kind of a guy that that was there and did his job, but he's always a guy that I. I 
you know, when I talk with people, is a guy that really just doesn't get his due, I don't think. Yeah. He's a really good player for a lot of years. He um, he was traded um, – he was traded – did B.J. Armstrong play for the Lakers? I don't BJ remember. B.J. Armstrong, J.R. Reed, and Glenn Rice. Um, huh. I don't remember the B.J. Armstrong era. But uh, he, I, he must have been cut because he was part of the trade, but he never played for the What, what year was this? This would have been 99 – or this would have been the 99 season. He was traded from the Lakers to the um, Hornets um, in the middle of that year, we, along with Eldon Candle for for Armstrong, J.R. Hmm. Reed, and Glenn Rice. And, of course, J.R. Reed and Glenn Rice, I remember being with the Lakers. But, uh, yeah. yeah, B.J. Yeah, yeah, it looks like B.J., yeah, no he games. He must have gotten cut or, or what, what have you. So. Yeah, let's see. Uh, he was traded and then waived the same. There you go. So, yeah. Well, there you go. And then it signed as a free agent with the Magic. So. Yeah. Um, he was part of some uh, – yeah, he, he was part of – like three, like lots of players trades. Of course, he was part of that. The one we talked about in um, the Jason Williams episode, the five team trade. Yeah. Right. And he was also uh, traded along with Ricky Davis, Dale Ellis and Anthony Mason to the heat for PJ Brown, Rodney Buford, Tim James, <laughs> Jamal Mashburn and Otis Thorpe. Nice. That is a, that is a, that's a large trade. Um, I don't, you, I don't, it, you don't see that. You don't usually see that many trades with that many guys who actually like kind of play like, yeah, those are all like good play. Like that's a real, like we oh. talk about challenge trade. That's a challenge. trade. Like here's like six guys that are very good. Like, or, or like not like, not, not, not very good, but like guys that just like, yeah, we don't like our role players. You want our role players? Yeah. Let's see how this works out. Let's right. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a role player swap, yeah, you know, five or six guys who there, who, you know, were at least a certain point NBA, good NBA players, you know, mm-hmm. um, Currently trying to relive the Eddie Jones Mavericks era. I have no memories of that whatsoever. Uh, yeah, I, I, I barely. Um, yeah, there's like three much. Google images of that. I, I don't remember that happening whatsoever. But there you go. That's. But it did. It, it did. <laughs> well, basketball. It did happen. I could confirm that it did happen. Basketball reference, but, but not, not lie to us. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. Anyway, anything more about this game? That. Uh, uh. I mean, well, I guess the Lakers were. This was. Um. Not a good season for them. They were 34 and no. 48. This was like their first <clears throat> losing season in forever. They may have had one in the 90s, but I mean, um, but other than that, uh, you know, they, um, Rudy T ended up leaving, um, you know, two thirds of the way through the season. Kobe got hurt toward the end. So they, um, they tanked for, oh, I'm sorry. No, the Lakers don't tank. Sorry. They yes. lost a bunch of games in a row, not trying to do that. And <laughs> then ended up drafting 10th and getting Andrew Bynum. Which it wasn't like they were looking for Andrew Bynum necessarily. Yeah, right, but just, he ended up being, you know, really great for or really good for a while. Um, yeah, lottery picks are good. Yeah, lottery picks are fun. Yeah. so sometimes it is beneficial to uh, to not necessarily put out your the team. That right, you, to uh, sometimes miss the playoffs is a benefit. Yeah, so yeah, to not be the eighth seed and instead just go to the lottery. Sometimes it works out. Right. But uh, yeah. It's unfortunate that it's a recent trend that the 76ers have started. Yeah, so it's, it's, those it's rat bastards. But uh, yeah, yeah not, 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 a, not a whole lot else to say about this game. Um, it went obviously went over overtime. Uh, Shaq missed overtime because he had fouled out just prior to that. Uh, Kobe Bryant uh, missed a shot at the end of the game to um, seal the victory for Miami. Um, yeah, he had 42, six assists and three rebounds, but nine yeah. turnovers. So yeah, he had a nine, nine turnovers and an insane. He had 45 percent usage rate in this game. So just <laughs> this is. This is the mid two thousands Lakers. Yeah. Until uh, Gasol would get there and, and and a few of the other guys. It yeah. was the Kobe. Show I mean, they owed him, but um, you know, but yeah, they didn't have much talent other than that, especially with Butler out. So right. So this this was Kobe doing Kobe things. I thought an interesting uh, thing. Uh, the Lakers had four total bench points in this game, two from Brian Cook 
and two from someone named Tier Brown. I, I, yeah, I believe Tier <laughs> Brown had a headband. That's uh, okay. I, I, I know nothing. I of think Tier I Brown. vaguely remember him from the video. I had NBA Live of, of from this year, so I, I vaguely okay. remember from that. But beyond okay. that, no. Did he have like a purple headband, and that's how you would remember? I think he had yellow one in this case. Okay, all right, yellow. Okay, they're always good. Like I, I always do remember some. Like you have um, like a Smush Parker or whatever. I always remember him because the, the guys that wear headbands with the Lakers always stand out a little bit. Because they're like cool colors. They're not like white or black or blue or whatever. They're like yeah. purple or yellow or whatever. They're they're very stand you know, they stand out a That's lot. Good. But I have I have no memories do of Tier Brown. Do we so. have fewer headband players now than we used to? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was mid two thousands. I don't know if you remember, was a huge headband yes. era. Yeah. Like everybody was headbands. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, and I thought I feel like yeah, we we there's been a slow decline in headbands yeah. in, in, over the years. They're annoying. They're annoying. Have you ever played with one? I have not. It's irritating. It's irritating. Yeah. Like I, I I sweat a ton, so I used to try to wear them, but I, I hate them. They would just get too. They, that would just be really sweaty. Then the whole oh, time. Oh yeah. Like, that's, that's this is equally uncomfortable. Like now, just my head is completely, you know, filled with with sweat or whatever. Well, but yeah, maybe their their headbands may be made of you know more expensive material that might actually. No, I got the no no. I bought this from Sports Authority, sir. This is oh, okay. <laughs> NBA. Well, branded no but no they, it was kind of interesting for that and then um you would which is surprising because you would think that lebron would sort of start a renaissance of it yeah you know what i mean right. we're, we're the best player in the league i mean like michael jordan's bald and then all of a sudden everybody's comfortable being bald and like bald is in you know that's like a fashion trend of the 90s is is people being bald and they, they attribute a lot of that to the the best athlete you know being bald or whatever lebron wears a headband and everyone's just like ah we don't like headbands but they're it's okay. Yeah, it's also the high fashion NBA's. Maybe maybe headbands are high headbands fashion. Headbands aren't, you know? aren't cool anymore. You know, yeah. <laughs> like Russell Westbrook's not gonna wear a headband. No, like, come on. I, it, that's interesting. It just uh, just occurred to me. Um, no, it was yeah. yeah. No, headbands were a huge thing. I don't know if you remember. Uh, there was that one Charlotte Hornets team. Uh, I think two thousand and one, where they just all wore headbands. It was uh, it was the Baron Davis, like Eddie Robinson. Uh, and that was the thing. They rallied around a headband and like everybody in the crowd was wearing headbands. Yeah. I just remember that being like such an early 2000s thing. It's like the Charlotte Hornets and everybody is wearing a headband. Uh, so. 2004, 2005 <laughs> Hawks, my favorite topic. In their final game, they actually all wore um, headbands. Like this included Tom. Is that a beauty for being a bad team? This, like, to- this included like Tom Gugliotta. Um, like every, probably, every single player on that team um Wore a headband in the uh, final game. Josh Childress, um, Tony Delk, uh, Jason Collier. You know <laughs> what was the reason? Why? I think it was just some sort of unity thing. <laughs> like unity, you suck. You're terrible. Well, you know, just like you know, let's, you can't have unity if you're awful. Let's get one more win. I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> terrible. We care about each other. Um, I I don't know. It was it was strange, but I yeah they you can't do that when you're terrible. You can do that when you're in the playoffs. You're like, what are you rallying behind? You're terrible. Well, you know, let's, let's not be harsh here. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, 13 and 69, that's, you know, <laughs> it's not bad. It's not, it's, the wor- it's, okay. it's not the worst team ever. Right. That's true. Yeah. So, so yeah. There are worse. Not many, but there, there are. Yeah, there are some worse. So, we have a pop- um, topic for a future day. We, we, yeah. Well, we found out that they're not the worst. So, but. listeners, thank you for picking this uh, show. It, it, it was very close between this and the Bernard King um a 60 point game, which we also considered discussing, but decided to, that was kind of close to our last Michael Ray Richardson podcast. Right. So we decided to kind of go a different direction for this one. Although that's a, that's a fun game for sure. Um, but yeah, the, I, I guess we can go to our uh, final game. Yeah, absolutely. And the final game here is one that uh, my, my pick um, and a game that's famous for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, obviously this, this is one that I, I just remember loving and it was a big deal. I mean, this was appointment television for a lot of people 
especially me being a Bulls fan, but the Chicago Bulls is Los Angeles Lakers 2011. Uh, this game is particularly significant because it is the first game for both of these teams. Uh, the lockout shortened season of 2011. They started the game started it on Christmas Day, which I, I don't know if you remember, but that was just a monumental. That was like, you know, this season. Like, I, I don't like the lock. Like, I mean, lockouts are obviously bad, but I, this is my favorite NBA season because like the games were so compact. I mean, obviously the season got shrunk to six six games. Everything was so compact that th- there was like a game every day, which was awesome. The you know, this starting on Christmas was also cool because it made these Christmas games that much bigger of a deal. It was like this is the beginning of the NBA season. It, it seemed like more people were into the NBA because it's sort of you always have that first, you know, October and November and stuff is, is big. People are watching the NFL and stuff. But by this time, I mean, by December, late December, January, especially here in Chicago, you probably have given up on the NFL season. So everybody's sort of into, you know, the teams. And I, th- I think in general, most teams that are out of it. Their fan bases tend to kind of move on to other sports. And that's why basketball seems to always sort of get this uptick, you know, around Christmas or after Christmas, because that's a lot of times when when people consider that season sort of becoming a big deal and, and really start following it. So it was interesting to have this first game of the year be that Christmas game. I just remember it being just a huge event. Um, real quickly, I want to just kind of go over the lockout for people that aren't, you know, aren't familiar or don't remember. But uh, as I mentioned, you know, it, tur- it turned the season from 82 games to 66. Uh, the main objections were uh, salary structure and uh, in- uh, basketball-related income split, which is BRI, which was the big buzzword kind of around that time. Uh, owners at this time wanted to impl- uh, implement a hard salary cap and, uh, and-, and harsher penalties uh, for-, for going over the luxury tax or going into the luxury tax. Uh, obviously, players wanted to keep the soft salary structure because more money if it's, uh, you know, a soft salary structure. So this is, I mean, this is the beginning. This is every lockout ever is kind of the same stuff that, that sort of um, you know, sort of discussed and, and, and bandied about. Uh, the lockout was ended on December 8th so that everybody was okay. It was a 49-51 BRI split, which um, the, the owners wanted some, I think they wanted like something like 40 or 47 to something. So 49 to 51, it, it, it's minute little point, you know, percentages but when you're talking about millions, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, a few other things that were added in this lockout that we sort of take for granted. Uh, the one-time amnesty exemption, which was a, a great, <laughs> at least in my opinion, I enjoyed the, the amnesty exemption where you could you know waive a player obviously and remove them from your salary cap uh and in the theme of this game which is a good kind of segue uh it started the derrick rose role which we sort of have heard about a little bit uh, paul george is a famous guy who who recently was signed under it and and, and some other guys as well that uh, a player finishing his rookie contract uh can resign for uh, up to 30 percent of his team salary cap and that's up from five percent what it was prior uh, it used to be 25 percent uh if he was either a two-time all-star uh twice voted the all-nba team or if he won an mvp award prior to uh, his rookie contract ending. So an interesting little number there that they added in the Derrick Rose role, which fits us into this game, which obviously this was Derrick Rose-led Chicago Bulls, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, and th- this wasn't uh, – this is a big – I mean, for for all this stuff about it being a bigger game because it was on Christmas and it was the opening day, this is a big game, you know, in any – no matter when it was. If it was just a Christmas game in any other season, it was a big deal. Uh, the Lakers the prior year had been knocked out of the playoffs by the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, we'll get to a famous, you know, Andrew Bynum famously had a, a ridiculous flagrant fall uh, foul against uh, J.J. Barea that actually knocked him out of this game. He was still suspended. Uh, the Bulls the prior year were the, this kind of surprise team of the NBA. They had the best record, you know, kind of came out of nowhere, had the best record. Uh, Derrick Rose won the MVP, and they got all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals before falling uh, to the Miami Heat. This was the big three, the, the, the first year of the big three Miami Heat. Obviously, Dallas won the, the NBA Finals that year. Uh, the Miami Heat would win the NBA Finals uh, in this year. But, uh, yeah, the, the story of the game was obviously just – the reigning MVP, Derrick Rose, uh, taking on Kobe Bryant in sort of, uh, you know, the Lakers are still there. They had won their, you know, prior two titles uh, in the three years before that. Um, 
you know, this year, uh, the, the year prior was sort of the slip up, but it was interesting to see sort of how are they going to do? Were they going to get back to their winning ways and become another title team? Or what were they going to be? Because the team is still intact. You still have the Prague Gasol. You still have your Lamar Odom. I, I oh, no, actually, sorry. Lamar Odom had left. Yeah, right. He went to Dallas and that, oh God, sorry, Dallas Mavericks fans. I forgot about the Lamar Odom at Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, so they had the Kobe. Uh, Andrew Bynum was out of this one, but they still had Paul Gasol as well. So Yeah, and, uh, and this, of course, this would have been because um, they, they wanted to do the Derek, or the Chris Paul trade. Right. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, and the NBA, of course, vetoed it. Um, so uh, this would have been, of course, the you know the chance to have Chris Paul and Kobe um, together. Um I, and I guess they would have had Bynum too. They would not have had Gasol or no Gasol or, or Odom. Yeah. So, um, I, I, so that obviously changed the fortunes of the um, of the Lakers. Although they, you know, they they tried to bounce back the next off season with uh, Howard a- adding Howard and Steve Nash, which did not work out so well. No, believe it or not, did uh, did not work out. Even though. The SI cover. I, I thought. That, did you ever think that was going to be a, a workout? Well, I th- I really did. I thought. It, yeah, I thought they would be. I mean, I, there were going to be a few issues, but I thought they'd still like be really good. Like mm-hmm. certainly be a finals contender. Yeah, and I I don't think that's really. I mean, there was a lot of obviously circumstances that led to them not being you know a, a, as good. Obviously injuries to to guys and and Dwight Howard not really seeming himself or whatever. So there were issues. It wasn't purely like this team got together and they were the same as they always were and just weren't good. Like there was a lot of issues that went there. But yeah, sure. I, I thought that was going to be a great team. But uh, yeah, this is a very interesting game. Um, Mike Brown's also uh, the. This is his first game. Correct. Yes. Lakers head coach, legendary Lakers coach Mike Brown. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh boy! This is also another legendary Richard Hamilton's first game as a Chicago Bulls. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of storylines here. Mike Brown, Richard Hamilton. Let's go! But no, it was definitely a very interesting game. A lot of a, a decent back and forth game. Uh, Kobe Bryant uh, ended the game with 28 points on 11 or 23 shooting. But similar to that 2004 game, he had eight turnovers in this one. And then uh, if you watch the highlights as well, a lot of key ones in the in, in the last part of the game. I mean, he gets stolen from uh, Joe Kim Noah just straight up steals the ball from him. Uh, on, you know, while he's dribbling, Luol Deng comes from behind and steps it. I mean, this. What's particularly interesting about this game, and if you look at Kobe Bryant's usage rate, was forty five point four in this game, which is is on a team that has some decent amount of talent. That's that's fairly high, and 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 you can see, and we'll talk about it when we when we talk about the end of the game. The plan for the Bulls was basically just stop Kobe Bryant or do whatever we can to to, to force Kobe Bryant into turnovers, force him into shots. The whole defensive, I mean, that was what they focused on the entire game was stopping Kobe Bryant, and you know he still had twenty eight points, but. The eight turnovers were a huge thing, and especially the ones in the late. Uh, Paul Gasol scored 14 points but did not shoot well. Uh, as mentioned, the Lakers were without Andrew Bynum, who was suspended uh, following the flagrant fall from uh, J.J. Barea. Um, Derek Rose had a great game, uh, 22 points on 9 of 14 shooting, uh, including uh, uncharacteristic. I mean, this was the year prior he had sort of become a, a decent three-point shooter, but he's three from four from downtown here. Uh, Richard Hamilton did not do well. He only scored six points and picked up five fouls. Uh, Luol Deng added 21 points. Carlos Boozer had 15. And Joe Kim Noah had an okay game. He had, I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think he had eight points and, and something like eight or seven rebounds or whatever. So so not a bad game. Um, Derek Rose had a clutch uh, floater with uh, seconds remaining uh, on the clock, so that, that gave them the lead. And then... Um, it's it's kind of famous. There's still some some memes that are out there. Uh, Kobe Bryant has the last shot of the game. He drives to the basket and literally <laughs> four Bulls defenders turn, look, and all jump at him at the same time. And it's Kobe Bryant going up uh, against four players. Uh, Luol Deng comes in from behind and blocks the shot. But uh, definitely an interesting. Uh, it, it's still a meme now that that you know Kobe is especially this year. Uh, with the Lakers' fortunes, how they are, and Kobe, you know, doing what he has to do in a lot of ways. That yeah, this is always kind of a funny one that you see, where it's Kobe Bryant just kind of rising up 
amongst four guys. And then the fifth bull is looking his direction as well. Like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm just late to jumping, but I am looking at you and I am guarding you. But yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. And I, I thought one more thing to add before, you know, I ask you uh, real quick, the usage rates of the bulls are pretty interesting because, you know, I mentioned Kobe Bryant had a 45.4 usage rate or whatever. The Bulls starters, and it's kind of a testament to how they sort of played that year and how they would play under Tom Thibodeau, you know, still to this day. The the starters, here are their usage rates, 24.9, 22.4, 22.7, 21.6, and then 15.2. So an interesting sort of balance there where, where you know, possession, everybody on any given play in that starting lineup, the possession could end. You know, they could be a major part and a major, end, you know, part of that possession ending. And that that's always, you know, a fun aspect, especially juxtaposition, you know, with the Lakers who – was basically Kobe doing forty five percent of the the you know possessions were him so so interesting sort of dichotomy there between the two teams so yeah yeah um, the Lakers still had uh, Metal World Peace at this point too and I forgot the correct yes I forgot Josh McRoberts actually played for the uh, Lakers this was kind of before he got you know pretty good really I did not know that yeah yeah he um, I I completely forgot that he played uh, he's been around. Um, he he only was there for one year. Um, and then the next year went to Orlando, then got then went to Charlotte, um, and it was basically for Charlotte for a year and a half. Uh, I forget when he got kind of got. There was a Pacers, a Pacers year. That was, was before. That was before the Lakers. Yes. Three, was it? Oh, that was before. Three okay. years for the huh. Pacers, actually. Um, huh. um, yeah, I don't remember this. I don't remember the Lakers years at all. It just it, well, they, it was just it was just one year. He did not play well yeah. either. So um, yeah, I don't I don't know. He. Um, uh, so his career's sort of been interesting because he's kind of regarded as good now, but um, I'm not sure exactly at what point like people were like, oh yeah, he's pretty good, um, and, unless it was last year. Um, and Kyle Korver's on the he doesn't play much in this game; he only plays nine minutes, but he uh, is on the Bulls I, yeah. during this season as well. As well, and obviously was very effective for them, um, but is not like you know not quite what he is now with the Hawks. Yeah, I, no, now he's he's turned into a just a, yeah he was he was good for the Bulls like I. I there was issues with defense with him a little bit, and he was he was just a good shooter. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't what he is now, where he's just like one of the best three point shooters in in basketball, and and and, a good and famously too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he he has really gotten good at, at a lot better at defense, and he's another of the long line. There, there's there's a long line of guys that have a lot of uh, zeros on their check thanks to Tom Thibodeau, and and really you know him a lot of you know the DJ Augustines of the world, and 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 Nate Robinson, and and Marco Bellinelli, and Kyle Korver. But all these guys have have arguably sort of done better you know once they've left the Bulls. But yeah, he kind of came in as sort of a question mark to an extent, but really had a great year overall yeah. with the Bulls. So uh, and the Bulls obviously were 15 and 16, and then uh, you know sadly. Derrick Rose gets hurt. Was it the first game in the Philadelphia series? Uh, it was the first game in the Philadelphia series of this year. Yeah, the first game of the playoffs. Yeah, so okay. they end up falling in that in that first round when Rose is injured. The Lakers were forty-one and twenty-five in a number three seed. So, so they had a pretty good season. Yeah. Um, and then they fi- Bynum. If you remember, this is the year that Bynum just became a monster, just an unbelievable. I mean, like I think the first game when he came back, he had like twenty. 2020 or something like that. Just this was the year where he really put it all together. Yeah, that's yeah. He played the um, uh, yeah. He played. He did play really well that year. And yeah, that, that um, was... and gosh, and it's just like amazingly, his career was basically done two years later. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's wow. Um. It just how I mean, he's 27 now. So yeah, and it's over. Yeah, <laughs> he's just um, not complete like. Yeah, but anyway, so um, but yeah, he he did play very um, he he did play very well. So, um, 
And then they, they ended up sort of falling. They won the first round against Denver, but then they fell to the Thunder in the second round. And sort of basically kind of a mini changing of the guard. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. Thunder um, have underachieved in the playoffs due to injuries and such. They made the finals this year. They fell to the Heat, and then the next two they were you know behind the Spurs, um, mm-hmm. uh, dealing you know dealing with injuries on their own um, as well. But um, yeah, it was a great game. Um, I mean, that exciting stuff in the, um, in the clutch and, and, you know, Rose making a, making a great shot. And, uh, you know, I, I remember this game. Um, I remember watching the game and, and of course, yeah, it was just a huge, um, day and it was neat for the NBA to start in that atmosphere on Christmas. I mean, that yeah. really, you know, if they could, if they could figure out a system where they started on Christmas, that would be pretty awesome. I just don't think it's obviously not realistic. Um, right. but, um, you know, honestly, like I wonder. I know Thanksgiving is football, but I wonder if like they could have like a you know an eight o'clock game, like a primetime game, and um, treasure the season on Thanksgiving, or maybe like even like the Friday after Thanksgiving. Well, mm-hmm. well, wait a minute. They start. Never mind. They start. I, I was thinking they started Halloween. Yeah, they start they Halloween. Start, yeah, yeah, they start Halloween. So that that wouldn't that obviously wouldn't work timing wise. But and there's no uh, there is no uh, holiday that uh, equivalent holiday in October to work. No, Veterans Day is just not going to have the same catch. You know? So <laughs> yeah, so there's to find one of those one of those lesser known holidays. Like a, there's got to be a Hallmark holiday in in like mid October that they can. Yeah, well, you know, the problem is getting people to have the day off. You know. Right, and, that's the problem. But you know, visit their families to stare at screens. So right, but I do, I do really. I mean, I love like th- this season in particular. I mean, like I said, I really just, this is my favorite season ever because it was it was you know it's not viable you know financially to do it, but just the the compact games, the fact that like every game mattered so much more because it's like shit. You know, we have twenty two. You know, we have you know a lot less of these. You know, we really need. To, I mean, it, uh, the wins and losses really do matter a lot in, in playoff seating, and just the fact that yeah, starting off on Christmas was just. It, it was a real good kickstart for the whole season where people sort of woke up and it, and it wasn't like, okay, wait, who's doing what or what's, you know, because that's what I get now every, you know, I go over to my family's houses and, and that's what I get now. I'm the NBA guy and it's like, all right, so who's like good or, you know, what's going on or whatever. And I have to spend like 40 minutes being like, yeah, okay, well, that this team's good. That team's bad. No, that, you know, they're not good. You know, he got traded and da, 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 da. Whereas this was like, and, and it was, it was built up that way too, which was interesting. I don't know if it was like that all across the world, but I know in Chicago it was okay. I mean, this is the start of the NBA season. This is a really good Bulls team. You know, let's go. I just remember the excitement level just being just unmatched for this particular game. And it wasn't just this game. It was all the games that day. We just had this just heightened sense of, of, of focus and, and, and drive. And, and, and the NBA owns Christmas. They, they, they really do in a lot of ways. But I remember this one in particular just being unbelievable of how much attention was given to it. Yeah. And um, it, it was fun. I mean, it, it is fun to um, have the NBA get that spotlight and, and for it to be fun and for um, – you know, just just to have that excitement, but obviously, like the lockout was not fun, and um, you know, losing those games was. But it did it did sort of one side benefit of it. It did create a unique situation. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, that's we do want to know. I, I I think one thing that would be fun if if and I don't know when we'll. Maybe we'll just retweet it or whatever. I'd like to hear people's Christmas memories of, of NBA. You know, what's your favorite game? You know, what's a memory that you have? You know, as I asked Jason at, at one point, you know, what, you know, how is your tradition? What's your sort of Christmas NBA tradition or whatever? Because I think that's fascinating. I mean, it's just such a fun day that that the NBA doesn't really get those as much. Like we're all sort of, I mean, it's a big sport. Obviously, it's a huge sport or whatever. But I sort of feel like everybody, you know, everybody's got their football and the Super Bowl and that stuff. Nobody, I mean, the NBA Finals aren't as much as that. But but I always thought of Christmas as being that one day that the NBA just has. And everybody, 
even when I go over to people's houses that don't watch basketball, that it's on. Like it, it, it's good. You you know you drive by houses or whatever on Christmas and you see people watching basketball. And it's 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 unique. It's definitely for me one of my favorite days of the year. Not because it's Christmas, but the fact that I'm getting just amazing, great basketball games the entire day. It's just it. it I love it. Absolutely. Well, if you want to uh, tweet us your uh, favorite uh, NBA Christmas memory, or just want to tweet us anything that you might think we're interested in hearing about, you can do that at uh, at Over and Back NBA. Um, also, the Facebook page, which you're uh, would welcome be welcome to do the same thing if you would like um also in the comments of the uh this post at the podiumgame.com any of those places you would like to do that or you know send us anything we would uh definitely appreciate it we'd love to hear uh feedback on the uh, show and um of course check us out at the podiumgame.com and uh we are part of the hardwood paroxysm basketball network of podcasts which includes um R squared and uh, Biscast Ball and a lot of other uh, great uh, podcasts um, that you can listen to. We would certainly very much appreciate a review and rating on iTunes that uh, moves up our uh, ranking and makes uh, so that more people can uh, find out about us and check us out and, and feed our egos by giving us popularity. <laughs> right. So we would appreciate that. Um, it is very easy to do. Um, just to hit a button to hit some stars or uh, take a little bit of extra time and write some nice words about uh, us or if you just like the other podcasts, you know, write about them. But, um, yeah, so, Rich, uh, Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas and, to you. Uh, what, what are your plans? What are, what are you – uh, well, you know, we're, uh, I, I've got, well, obviously other than going to Phoenix after I hooked you up with Phoenix, the Phoenix. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we got it. We have the, uh, she, my daughter just turned six. So we are going to, uh, Santa comes a little bit early for her since she has uh, two families to uh, stay with, but she's going to, uh, uh, have a Merry Christmas, I believe, uh, a Merry La Loopsy <laughs> Christmas as we uh, discussed at the, uh, the last show. And, um, yeah, um, how about you? Are you basically the same plan you described before? Yeah, pretty much. Well, no, we don't do the, um, we don't do my, my horrible, after, after years of bitching and moaning, uh, my dad and I have bitched and moaned every single year uh, to not go to my uh, mom's side, so now we don't do that on Christmas Day, so, uh, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, she doesn't want to go anyway. She doesn't want to go. She, she was forced to do it. Um, it obligation, now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, my, my grandma passed away this past year, so now there's absolutely no, I mean, that was the one thing is that she wanted to go see my grandma. My grandma had been in a retirement home years prior, so once she was in a retirement home, she was like, good, don't have to go, so, yeah. so we just used to go see my grandma on, on those days, but uh, yeah, obviously, she's passed on and this will actually be the first christmas for both of my parents uh both their parents uh their mothers died this prior year so it'll be a, it'll be an interesting christmas for sure it'll be the first time you know without them but yeah the, the plan is basically um christmas eve go to the, the, my dad's side like i said do that christmas day i have no idea i i'm completely open at this point yeah it, we kind uh, of, yeah like we, yeah i don't i don't know i i to me christmas day has never been a big deal like i basically just get up uh, you know, I open presents to my parents and I just kind of hang around and eat food and, <laughs> and watch basketball. Like I'm just a bum on Christmas these days. Like sometimes occasionally, like my, my girlfriend who works nights, she's working, uh, she works at the hospital uh, as a nurse. She's She's working all three days. So I'm completely, she's gone. So I, I am a swinging bachelor on, on Christmas day. Usually, usually I'll go to her parents' house or do something like that, but I got nothing. So who knows? Yeah. I'm, so. I, our plans are, are Christmas aren't for me either. Cause we won't have, uh, we, we won't have Scarlet, but I, and we're going to Iowa right after that. Where my girlfriend's family lives to visit to visit them. So, uh, yeah, Christmas uh, Day is actually up there. But I, hopefully, there'll be some basketball, maybe a movie, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So uh, thanks, everyone. Hope everyone has a uh, Merry Christmas if you uh, celebrate it. Otherwise, have a happy holiday season. And uh, we'll be back again next year for some uh, great uh, basketball uh, nostalgia uh, to to fill your need for that. So yes. thanks, everyone. And money next year jokes. That's my favorite thing about like the last week of December is people making awful, awful next year jokes. There you go. But this wasn't. You're, you were fine. I'm not saying you were made an All awful right. joke. But I'm saying it's one thing I looked forward to at the end of the year is people making it like, see you next year. See you next year. Yeah, yeah, like shut there up. There you go. Like, <laughs> shut up. Like shut <laughs> off. Like why? A, I know it's a sore subject for you. I guess it is. Yeah. It's just so annoying. like people. And every time everybody says it, it's like they've never. Like you've never heard it before. They've never said it before. It's like this unbelievably original joke that no one has ever used before. They're like, see you next year. You're like, oh, yeah, all right. Oh, because right. Because when we come back, it's gonna be a, a new year. Okay. I, yeah. I got it. <laughs> all right. Well. And then I and then I, I have my voodoo doll and I stab him. So yeah. you can call the authorities if you'd like. Okay, That's fine. Yeah. Just so don't don't tweet us any see you next year jokes, guys. I would, <laughs> now we're gonna get now we're gonna get a thousand of Rich them. I'm sure. Would, so. upset. Yes. Um. All right. So anyway, <laughs> goodbye. Take care. Run so loud and proud you hear it. It's Christmas time and we got this berry. Jack was chilling. The hawk is out and that's what Christmas is all about. The time is now. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.